Welcome to another episode of Pastor Dale Walker's Leadership Podcast. We look forward to having you join us on this journey in learning how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to Dale Walker on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Well, I am very excited to talk about uh, living in the rest in a world driven by stress. <laughs> Chairs behind you. And uh, I think this is a very appropriate, important subject and topic. Um, if I was to say what's probably the one thing that causes us to be less emotionally healthy than we want to be, it would be Recording getting in progress. It would be getting out of rhythm with God because we're so overwhelmed by busyness, by the rush of life, by being in a hurry by so many things. Amen. Yeah, I've mentioned this before, but they did a survey of 8 to 12-year-old kids, and they said, if there was one thing you could change about your parents, what would it be? And you know what? The number one answer was, I wish my parents weren't so stressed out. <laughs> and uh, and that, that says a lot right there. We live in a world that is caught up with such stress and in Matthew 13, 22, when Jesus describes the soil of our hearts and, and that which doesn't produce fruit, he, he mentions the, the dangers. And, and one of the things he says, it is because of the worries of life and the deceitfulness of riches. Sometimes our life gets so distracted with worry and overload and stress that we're not able to just hear God and we're not able to change. We're, we're just stunted in our spiritual growth. We're just frustrated or we're discouraged all the time. Well, here's a, a great promise, and it's in your notes, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. This is Jesus talking. Are you tired and worn out? Come away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? How many say that sounds good to me? <laughs> Come away. Come on. Get rid of that heavy yoke. I'm not going to lay anything heavy on you. And literally, they tell us that in those days when they would make the yoke for the oxen, they would hand make the yoke so it fit exactly uh, onto the neck of the oxen. <laughs> it, 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 didn't, it didn't rub in a wrong way. It didn't cause any kind of blisters. It just fit perfectly. They didn't even know they were wearing it. And God says when you're in line with him, no matter how hard life is, you won't even, you won't even notice because his strength will be so with you. <laughs> and, and you will be living in the unforced rhythms of grace. And, and that's a place God says that you and I can live. And I, I describe it this way. There's two ways to live. You can be driven by the world or you can be led by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and how many would rather be led than driven? <laughs> I think we've all done the driven thing enough. But to be led by the Holy Spirit 
is to be invited to a life of peacefulness, even when it's very difficult. Yet there is strength because it's not our, it's not our effort that's, that's guiding us. It's, it's the Holy Spirit, and He has given us the strength. There's a verse in Romans 8.15 that says that where the Spirit, when the Spirit is leading us, there is peace and life. When the Spirit's in control, there is just a rhythm to our life. We just kind of flow with the punches. We kind of just go with the flow. And it's, and it's the way God wants us to live. But I think we're, uh, we're aware that there's a hundred things that get us out of the rest. And so we're going to just start with a few minutes of discussion. And, and the discussion is, what are ways that you find that stress sometimes steals the peace in your life? What, what, what are ways that you often feel like you get pulled pulled into that whirlwind, <laughs> you know, into that washing machine of, of craziness and lose your peace? Is it the expectations of people that you try to meet? Is it um, you let your mind neg- think on negative things and you start worrying a lot? Do you, do you overcommit are, are, are there anybody here like me, you say yes to everything, and you say, what did I just say yes to? <laughs> I got five more projects than I can do today, and this is stressing me out. Um, do you often, I, I like to do this, someone just, just defined burnout is trying to do more than the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. <laughs> you're not doing what the Holy Spirit is leading, you're doing what someone else was telling you you should do. Can you relate to this Thomas Merton quote, the violence of overwork, too many projects, saying yes to too many things? Um, Do you constantly feel a need to to say yes when you should say no because (laughs) you don't want to let people down? So would you just share with your table or, or here on Zoom, where is one of the areas that you're most vulnerable to get out of the yoke of Jesus and to get into the yoke of stress. <laughs> um, just can you be honest about that real quick uh, to each other, okay? Let's just have that discussion for a minute here. All right, well, we're going to continue our teaching a little bit, uh, how to live out of rest in a world of stress. And one of the lies that I want to exposed right here. One is that the more busy we are, the more we will accomplish. (laughs) Uh, The Bible teaches us that being fruitful is not a matter of being busy. It's a matter of being obedient and hearing God's voice. Uh, Another thing is the more conveniences you have, the easier life will be. (laughs) No, in this modern world, the more distracted people will be. I mean, I, I just was thinking about this. You used to, when I was a kid, if you watched TV, there was three channels. So if there's nothing you liked on three channels, you turned it off, right? But now there's Netflix. Now there's everything. Uh, with the more options, the more distracted and the more busy we often become. But what I want, what I want to teach us on is just this fact. I want to bring it up is what I call living at the speed of God's voice. Where does fruit come from? It does not come from our our works. It comes from our connection with God. 
The more connected we stay with God, the more fruitful we're going to be in our life. Jesus said, if you abide in me, then you will bear much fruit. <laughs> and, and how many know fruit is not about dollars and cents? Fruit is about you will have a happy family. You will have meaningful work. You will have joy. You, you will have influence in being able to change lives for God. Why? Because of how you stayed connected with him. I often tell people, one whisper from God is worth a million of man's ideas. <laughs> if you just get one whisper from God, <laughs> you're going to be further along than if you had a hundred ideas of how you should get ahead. I was sharing this in my, my Hearing God class way back in uh, the Depression days, the last century, there was an opening at this communication center for a few jobs. And this one man went to apply. And when he got there, there was like 600 people waiting to get this job. And they were all in this big room. And uh, he said, oh, man, I am never going to get an interview. And then all of a sudden, while everyone is standing there, he hears this noise, you know. It's sort of like this... <coughs> You know, and, and, and so immediately he walks back and he goes through this door. And about 30 minutes later, he comes out and he says, I got the job. And everybody said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they said, oh, this is a communication. Don't you understand? That was Morse code. And Morse code said, if you want to interview for the job, go to that back door and walk through there and you'll get an interview. <laughs> But because he could hear the whisper, he got the job, right? Because he could hear. And isn't that the truth with our life with God? If, if you can hear God, you're going to be a, a million miles ahead. I put in your notes Jehoshaphat as an example. He's surrounded by the enemy. But instead of freaking out, he waits on the Lord for a word. And a prophet tells him to... Just begin to worship and to praise God. He practices this. This is a discipline I want to teach you today. The discipline of slow. S-L-O-W. You know what slow stands for? Stop. Listen. Observe. Wait. <laughs> when you want to freak out, <laughs> when, you want, when you think... You're going you're gonna to die. Just slow, 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 slow. Stop. Listen. Observe. God's doing something. Can you hear the Morse code? <laughs> and, and so they begin to worship God. And, and God delivered them because they did what God said. One of the things we learn in, through the Word is that God's ways are not our ways. And when we're trying to figure everything out, and solve our problems. How many know sometimes we're just going deep, digging deeper into the mud, right? We're going from bad to worse because we are striving. One of my verses the Lord has probably spoken to correct me more than any verse is a verse in the New Testament that just says, the servant of the Lord must not strive. <laughs> and what does that mean? It means the servant of the Lord must not struggle in their own mind and will 
to try to be in control of their situation. <laughs> because the more you strive, the more you're going to get out of step with God, and you're not going to be under that beautiful yoke of rest. And so instead of strive, we, we need to slow. We need to listen. And many times, it'll, it'll surprise you because what God says to do doesn't make any sense. Have you found that out? <laughs> and, and I've shared this story, but it was one of my favorite. God was teaching me this when I was in college, and I had a big biology final, and I was so stressed. I was freaking out because I had to pass this. And uh, that morning, I was studying, and the Lord says, Dale, quit looking at the clock and freaking out. I said, I was so worried I'll be late and I, I'm studying and all of a sudden. And the Lord told me I wasn't allowed to look at the clock, but to just rest. I said, oh, okay, Lord. Well, finally he says, okay, look at the clock. And it was five minutes till the test. So I rushed down. I was going to the University of Texas, El Paso. And the teacher says, you're too late to take the test. I said, oh, great. This is what I get. But you can take a makeup test tomorrow. Well, the next day I came in, and what I discovered was everything I had studied for the test was from the wrong chapters. And had I taken that final, I would have failed. But everything I studied is what they put on the makeup test. <laughs> and I ended up getting an A in the, in the final, an A in the class. God's ways are not our ways, but if we listen to Him, we are so far ahead of people in this world. And so... What, what is the key? The key is what we're saying over and over, abiding in Christ, living a lifestyle of connection. And, and there are two disciplines we learn in this week's lesson. We, we've talked a lot about them, uh, the daily office and the practice of a Sabbath. But both of them have to do with what we call slow down spirituality, <laughs> in which we make the priority of being with Jesus, the cornerstone of our life, rather than just doing for Jesus. David is a classic example, and I love this verse in Psalms 27, 4. This was David's main work. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now, one of the reasons that the author, Pete Scazzaro, uses the word daily office rather than a devotional time, uh, again, part of it is it, it goes back into the, the practices uh, throughout history of people who have practiced the spiritual disciplines. And, you know, one of the, here's the core idea of spiritual disciplines that we talk about, like prayer and scripture. The core idea is to order your life around those things that will allow you to stay in constant fellowship with the Father. The goal is not how many hours can you pray or how many scriptures can you read. The goal of any spiritual discipline is to stay in constant fellowship. How, how much do you need to pray? How much do you need to read the Word? Well, however much it takes for you to live in constant fellowship, aware of His presence, in intimacy with God, connected with Him in your spirit at the deepest part of your life. 
So as we say, first of all, this idea of the daily office, this becomes our first, our first work of the day. Our first work of the day is not our to-do list. The first work of today is, am I connecting with Jesus? <laughs> and so what are those disciplines? Well, obviously, we've talked about them, and they, they relate to prayer, or they relate to just being still. If you've been doing the, the workbook, uh, I don't know if you've got to do the day-by-day, day, but it's so powerful, just even two minutes of silence. What we have been trying to teach through this discussion is a kind of a radical concept, and that is that you would actually deliberately start to tune into God more than once a day. <laughs> um, if I was to ask the average Christian, if, if I was to ask people at your table, um, tell me your, your routine as far as being with God. When do you connect with God? <laughs> And, you know, the average Christian would say, well, when I go to church, uh, every once in a while when I have time, or when I'm really desperate, <laughs> when I'm in a lot of trouble, or, uh, you know, or, or, or just when, when I hear my favorite worship song, few would say, that's a part of my daily discipline. <laughs> I have a plan to do that, and I, and I do that more than once a day. I do that to where I, I organize my life around the practices that keep me in fellowship with God. Um, just some, some people say, well, what, what is the way to do that? What, what I love to tell people, rather than giving you a formula for your connection with God, I, I say, what works for you? <laughs> Let me just ask a question. How, how do you most easily connect with God? So let me ask first. How many would say, if, if I'm in a place I need connection with God, playing a worship song is the first thing I do. That's what works best for me. Raise your hand. How many would say, I'm a, a worship song person? How many would say, opening the Word of God and Scripture would be your, that's mine, okay? Uh, how, how many would say, just being still and pray? Well, my point would be, it might be different for you than it is for me. And when it comes to connecting with God, rather than giving you a formula, find what works for you. And find how you most easily and naturally connect with God in a way. Now, here's this idea of, of doing it as, as your life's work. If you study through the Scripture, you'll find that uh, throughout Scripture, they would... They would have times of prayer. We, we know that during the times of Jesus, there would be, at the temple, there would be three times where they would have hours of prayer. Um, other times, there would be five or six times. But people throughout history would schedule their life around a time to be still and connect with God. One of the best examples I know of is Daniel. You remember Daniel? He... You talk about a tough situation. <laughs> he is taken to a foreign land. He is a, a prisoner in a pagan land, the land of Babylon. And he, he has all kinds of threats. One time, they're going to feed him to lions if he prays to anyone other than the, 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 the king there of Babylon. But look what it says. I have these notes here. It says, now when Daniel learned 
This is Daniel 6.10. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Now, what I want you to think about is, can you imagine Daniel's situation? If he had waited to start a prayer life when he was threatened to be eaten with lions, do you think he would have started then? <laughs> he established a deep habit in his life. So it didn't matter what people said. This was the way he was going to do life. And what I want to just challenge you on as we've gone through this is, what would work in your situation? And again, for me, it's, it's obviously first thing in the morning because I am a morning person. But I've found that if I will just add a little walk when I get home uh, from work, a little walk to be with God. And then just before I have this little ritual because uh, Sharon will go take a bath. It's time to go to bed. And while she's in there, I'm just going to go in my office. And one more time, I'm going to just say, God, what, what are you saying to me today? And, and what are you? But it's just some way in your life that you are arranging that time, a connect with God time. And, and here is, is what I have found that part of this is what I call deconstructing a way of life that makes us live like we're machines. <laughs> doing, 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 doing. <laughs> and, and we fall into a culture that is constantly kind of almost brainwashing us to believe you are what you do. And the busier you are, the better you are. <laughs> Oh, man, she's a hardworking lady. Awesome. Well, maybe she is awesome, but, but maybe that's not all that awesome is, how, how much you can produce and how much you can do. Maybe it's how connected you are to God while you do what you do. And, and this, this requires a change of mindset in which the Lord teaches us this. I've often said that Psalm 23, one of my, all of our favorite psalms, but I think one of the most powerful lines there is, uh, just meditate on this sometimes, Psalm 23, 1. He maketh me to lie down. <laughs> now, now, sometimes when I meditate on a word, I just take each word on that. Just meditate on this. This is a way of meditation. He, who, God Almighty, who's in control of all the universe, what does he do? Number two, he maketh me. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm probably too stubborn to lie down when I need to. <laughs> he might be wrestling with me right now <laughs> to lie down. No, to be in a position of rest before him. And, and then what does it say right now? Then he restores my soul. And how many know there's more than one time a day you need your soul restored? Can you relate to somebody? I just got the life sucked out of me, brother. <laughs> and it can be big or it can be small. But what isn't okay is if you don't let God restore your soul. Because then you'll begin to carry a grudge or you'll begin to carry a negative attitude. This conscious awareness of returning to our rest in God is at the heart of a healthy spiritual lifestyle.
Um, I love the verse that says, return to my rest, O my soul, and the Lord will deal bountifully with you. We used to have a, a crazy dog named Dixie Doodle. I don't know. That was the wildest dog. And we had a nice little cage for her, but all through the night she would just freak out. I think a butterfly would come in the house, and she'd, she'd be running, and I'd say, return to thy rest, Dixie. <laughs> And your Lord will be good to you, but if you don't. Uh, but how many of us are like the little flitter and we go crazy and we're running all around and God says, do you know how to get back to the feet of Jesus? And you know, when Jesus talked to the woman, uh, Martha and Mary, and he said, Martha, you're so, you're so torn apart by all that you have to get done. But Mary has chosen the best thing. He wasn't saying, Mary, you don't ever have to work again. <laughs> Spend the rest of your life just sitting at his feet. He was saying, no, the best thing means the priority thing. Mary has chosen the thing that needed to be done first. Why? Because we will produce twice as much when we work from rest and not for rest. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that when did God create human beings on the sixth day? What was their first job? The seventh day, rest. God was teaching us, you're to live out of rest. You're not to work and hopefully you can rest. No, you're to rest and then you'll naturally be effective when you work. The other idea of this is, is the Sabbath. And this is kind of a... This is kind of an interesting thing, and we'll just talk, and I, I want you all to discuss it a little bit. But we don't realize now, when God put this idea of a Sabbath day in the Ten Commandments, how radical this idea was. But what God was saying is that just like you need daily disciplines to connect with God, you need a weekly discipline to reset your week. You need a time to recalibrate your whole week to get it back in sync with God. And God made this incredible thing called the Sabbath. And of course, in the Jewish calendar, they would, they would celebrate it uh, on Saturday from, from 6 p.m. Uh, Friday to 6 p.m. Saturday. But the idea was, I'm going to set you apart, just kind of like, like the tithe. It's not going to make sense to the world, but you will accomplish more by resting. <laughs> How many found it's interesting that Chick-fil-A picked that philosophy, right? Sunday is probably the best day to sell hamburgers, but that Chick-fil-A said, we're, gonna, we're not going to sell anything on Sunday. And now they are right up there with McDonald's as the, the fastest growing. Or, but Why? God was saying, I, I want you to be set apart and different. And what's going to set apart is that you live a life of rest. Now, why this was so radical is you remember, for 400 years, Israel had been slaves. They never rested. For 400 years, their, their fathers, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, their great-great-grandparents, they were machines. They worked for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was like a god to them. They never had a day, day off. They would have seen themselves as human doings, not human beings. <laughs> Just do, 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 do. That's all we do, you know. And, and God says, I am going to set you apart 
from all of the nations of the world because you will be so radical. But what I want you to see is one of the things I think was so powerful was he was actually breaking a principality, a stronghold over their life. It was the control that Pharaoh had over them. How many know we live in a rat race? We live in a world where the power is to make us a slave of, of the ways of this world. And God says, I'm going to break something off of you. Let's just read this verse in Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And, and you see what he was saying? God has delivered you. Pharaoh's no longer your God. You don't have to live under this concept that your value is based on how much work you can do. <laughs> you are called to live a different kind of life. I, I love how many of the, uh, uh, of the rabbis would say the reason why in, if you read the Ten Commandments, there's more attention given to the, the Sabbath. It's the longest of all the commandments is because if you keep the Sabbath, that's how you have the grace to keep all the other nine. <laughs> if you learn to rest with God, then you learn to flow with God and the other, uh, other commandments are easy. <laughs> so that this is actually at the heart of it. Now, just understanding a Sabbath day, because I'm gonna invite you to think about the Sabbath day maybe more than you've ever thought. There, there's kind of two ways you can look at the Sabbath day. The one is to be very legalistic and in and, and, and the Jewish tradition. And there are many people who take it to a legalistic thing. If you do any work on the Sabbath, uh, you know, you are sinning. And, you know, you saw Jesus always competing with the Pharisees because they wouldn't even get an ox out of a ditch on the Sabbath day. You know, we can't do any work on the Sabbath. You have people today that you know, are, are so into, you know, whether it's Seventh-day Adventist or whatever, if you don't celebrate this day at this time this way, and, and they make it a, a great legalistic burden. And I don't believe that's God's plan for us. In fact, Jesus says in, in Mark 2.27, uh, the Sabbath was made for man, man was not made for the Sabbath. In fact, we see in Romans 14, uh, Paul says you don't have to literally celebrate the Sabbath on he says one day celebrates one man celebrates this day another celebrates the other he, he gives us an indication that you, you can make it work for you you don't have to work for it and and for me for for Sunday to be my Sabbath wouldn't work because I, I work harder on Sunday than any day of the week but I'll tell you at six o'clock Sunday night it's Sabbath you know and Monday is a beautiful thing but my point is to have this idea that you would actually have a day, I don't believe it's a legalistic thing. I believe it's a holy thing. Now, what makes a Sabbath day? Let me just point out 
A Sabbath day is different than a day off. How many know a day off can end up being your most <laughs> exhausting day of the week? <laughs> and so what I, what I want to say about that is don't make your day off. A Sabbath day is, is made for a day, number one, that is holy unto the Lord. That's what he says. This is a day for connecting with God. For many people, the best time to have a Sabbath is Saturday night through Sunday because they're going to worship the Lord at church. But to have a day that, that says, first and foremost, it's going to be a day I delight in God. And I'm going to recalibrate my, my time, my thinking around where God is in my life. And I'm going to seek his plan for that day. Um, it's a day where we do four things. Number one, it's a day where you stop. You stop being preoccupied with time. I, I like what Pete Scazzaro says. You should think of your Sabbath as a snow day. For those of you watching from the Philippines who've never seen a snow day, let me just explain. <laughs> Sometimes we have things in America called snow. And it's just a day where you can't drive, especially if you live in the southern part because we're so unused to snow. But it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful day. And of course, when you were kids in school and you had a snow day, you got all excited. <laughs> no school! Hey! And it was a day. It's a free day! Free day! And, uh, and did you know God wants you to have a free day? And you're not expected to accomplish anything. And you're not only going to not accomplish anything, you're going to feel good about accomplishing nothing. <laughs> And you're going to be okay that you didn't do the laundry that day. And you're going to be totally okay that the trash didn't get taken out the right time that day. Because you're celebrating a day for God. And you're setting apart. Now, what is the key word? Stop. Number two is rest. It's the day where you, you, you take a day without the adrenaline, without having to charge up, without having to struggle, without any of that. It's a day where you let yourself go as slow as you want and where you have no need to perform. But this is probably the most important word for a Sabbath day, delight. It's, it's the day where God's highest objective for you is to delight yourself in the Lord and to know that the Lord is delighted in you. Someone said, well, what should I do on the Sabbath day? Whatever it is that replenishes you the most. This is not a day about some religious bondage. What is it that fills your tank? What is it that flies your kite? Well, for some of you, it's piddling around in the garden. Okay, piddle as much as you want. <laughs> for some of you, you know, it's taking a walk. It's, it's painting. It's, it's, you know, going... Uh, on an outing. It's doing something with your family. It's listening to music. Uh, but this idea of delighting, what God wants us to do is to delight and to know that he delights in us. That is the most important thing. You know, what we, we say the heart of all fruitfulness is intimacy with God. And I, here's, here's what I love, the word intimacy it means into me he sees. <laughs> Intimacy is, God, you see me, and you love what you see. 
It, it is to experience his pleasure. And then because into me he sees, into him I can see. I can see his heart for me. It is, it is that being still and knowing him and just sensing his delight. The, the fourth part of it is contemplating and reflecting on him in all of his creation. One of the things I love that God teaches us about the Sabbath is that there is a day that we're to stop and observe the things that are glorious, that we rush past in our life. The birds singing. Do you listen to birds sing? On the Sabbath, you better. <laughs> Uh, my wife likes to watch hummingbirds hum, <laughs> to stare at them. That's what you do on the Sabbath. Sabbath. Do you see a baby smile and laugh and giggle? Do you see the stars? When was the last time you just stared at stars for a while? When was the last time you looked at a sunset and just breathed it? When was the last time you just lived in wonder of who God is? You just were slow enough to say, wow, this is incredible. Even Pete Scazzaro would say, you, you, you enjoy your food different. You taste it longer. You eat those enchiladas and say, hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> you have an encounter with God over your tapatia, whatever it is. But it is actually, you're delighting in that moment. Why? Because why? You're recalibrating your life to say, I don't live as a slave to the pressure of this world. I live as a free person in the rest of God. It is the place where you learn to live as slow. Now, here's, here's the thing, and I want to just have you discuss for a minute a Sabbath and and we'll do that real quick. But I want to just ask you, uh, do you have any conscious idea of a Sabbath? And, and, and if you do, you can, you can share it with your table how you celebrate it. But let me just say, if you were to think now to say, God, I, I want to start practicing a Sabbath. And, and again, it's just like I said about your devotion time. Do what works for you. <laughs> And if you're right now and you're a mom with six kids, it probably won't work for you the same way as if you're retired. <laughs> and it's not about doing this. It's not about getting it perfect every time. It's about improving. But one thing I do know, if you want to have a good Sabbath, you prepare for it. You think ahead. Uh, some families will literally plan the special meal for their Sabbath, light a candle when the Sabbath is going to start. They'll do something that says, all right, now we're going to delight. This is our day of rest. This is our snow day. This is our free day. And, 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 and you begin to think, what could that look like? And what would be more ref most refreshing for you to do? And so just with that in mind, I'd like for you to discuss the idea of a Sabbath day. What does it look like for you? Or what do you think it could look like for you if you were to take a day? What day would it be? And, and what could you apply from this lesson uh, for, for you to have a Sabbath? So let's just take a 10-minute break and discuss that at our tables and in our breakout rooms. 
All right, how was your discussion? Is that good? <laughs> I think that's very, very important and powerful. Amen. Well, just one, one more thing that we want to cover. As, as we're trying to say, if, if I could say it this way, we are about starting a rebellion against the status quo <laughs> because the status quo of our age is run, hurried, busy. John Comer has written a book called The Elimination of Hurry. Dallas Willard said the single most important spiritual discipline he feels for our age is solitude. He says for Christian disciples in this world, in this age, to grow in the maturity of their character, they will have to learn to be still. <laughs> because hurried equals shallow. Rushing equals compromise. And, and so this is why this is just sort of the core of this emotionally healthy journey. And, and that is, therefore, the last thing I want to mention is that it requires us to let God prune us. <laughs> All right. In John 15, 2... Uh, when he, he's describing this life that we're going for called abiding in Christ. If you abide in him and he abides in you, you're going to bear much fruit. But right at the beginning when he starts talking about that, he says, and every, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Notice he doesn't say the bad branches. He says the good branches, <laughs> the fruitful branches. He prunes. Why? So that they will bear more fruit. And I, I always tell people, God's no is just as important as his yes. One of the things in the Holy Spirit seminar I was going to say, if you won't listen to the Holy Spirit when he convicts you, don't expect to hear him when he wants to bless you. <laughs> how, how many like to just turn out? I don't want to hear that conviction. No, thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, well, you just turned him off. So when he's about to give you a miracle, you won't hear that either. Uh, okay, everybody say ouch. But anyhow, the point is, the no is just as big as the yes. And before God can give you more, it always means he has to remove something else. There's, there's got to be less of us for there to be more of him. And so discerning that is, is so big. And especially in, I think, in our entitled age, we think we should have everything. <laughs> and, and many times, we don't listen to the no's. I, I was sharing, and I shared this when I was in the Philippines, because when God first called me to missions, I got very excited. He called me supernaturally to go to the nation of the Philippines, a nation I didn't, had never been aware of. And one day, he just calls me, and it becomes a call to give the next 30 years of my life a tithe of my time to this country. And shortly after I went to the Philippines, I suddenly get this amazing invitation from Europe. They want me to come and preach in Germany and go to these different uh, places. I said, of course, yes, man, I love missions. And all of a sudden, I, I felt the Holy Spirit said, did I call you to Europe? I said, well, I just assume since you love Europe. And he says, no, if you, if you go there, you will lose 
time and you will not fulfill what I have for you. I called you to the Philippines. And you know, it was, it was painful to say no to those people who were asking me to come to the Philippines, to, to Europe. But I realized something. If we're not willing to hear God say no, we're not ready to hear God say yes. And so there are things in our life that are good things. How many know it's, it's not an issue of temptation? <laughs> it's an issue of priorities. That would be a very good thing. But it's not God's will for you. And you can see what other Christians do. And you can say, well, that would be wonderful. I would love to, you know, whatever it is. I'd love to go to Rio's every weekend or whatever. But maybe that's not God's will for you. Um, and, and it's not a matter of right or wrong. But if you're going to bear much fruit, you have to know where he says no. And you have to be willing for him to prune you in order for you to gain more fruit. And I'm convinced that every one of us is always in that journey where the Lord is saying, okay, I'm cutting back on this now. That season of your life, maybe that was good. But this season of your life, I want you to be over here more. You know, one of the things that I've learned, the most important thing about abiding is to be able to be content in the season you're in and with the portion God has given you. Not to be envious of someone else's calling or compare yourself with someone else. God has given me this portion. God has put me in this place, in this town, for this reason. And, and when I start to, to get, you know, I start to get restless with that, I can easily begin to become distracted to what he's called me to be or to do. And I'd like you to just think of that for a minute and, and just ask the question, when it comes to, to busy, hurry, and overloaded, when it comes to living in a culture where you always have more options than you could ever fill, <laughs> there's more good things you could be doing than you have time to do, what is it that you're going to be able to hear God say, this yes and this no? And so what I wanted us to do in our, our last time of discussion was to just look at some of these discussion questions. And one of the main ones was, is there an area of your life that God may be wanting to prune? For example, too many distractions, wasting time on social media, television, never, uh, never quite finishing what you started, being involved in too many things, um, is there something that you might think God would, would, might be working in your life to say, I'm going to prune you back a little bit <laughs> so that you can bear more fruit? And then I'd love for you just to share a little bit about when it comes to spending time with God every day, what is the biggest uh, hindrance to you in that area? What, what is it that keeps you from, say, twice a day being still? What is it that you have to face and overcome uh, to be able to start a new routine of life. Uh, what, what, what adjustments might you need to make uh, in your life today to be consistent in that? Um, and then just for you, what is something that most helps, helps you to connect with God uh, through this season that we've been learning in emotionally uh, healthy um, discipleship? What, what has been the thing that's helped you the most connect? Okay, so you can work on those questions, and I think they'll be very helpful. So 
We'll just uh, kind of finish off with this in the last 10 or 15 minutes and then pray with each other as, as you kind of close that time up. God bless you all. So good to talk to you today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. Please stay tuned for future episodes and remember to follow us on our social media. You can find more information about courses, events, and other leadership resources on our website, hftw.church. May God bless you and have a great day.